Yo, welcome back to another episode of Kill the Mockingbird, riding shotgun Sean Chris. Yo, I'm on top right now. I got the Gatlin gun. We're ready to go. Brat, brat. Boom. Man, we got another fire guest with us today, man. We got Ward with us. What's going on, Ward? Not much, guys. How you doing? Pretty good, man. You know, just uh, the same old, same old, trying to uh, navigate through a lot of this uh, stuff. And, you know, Joel over here always uh, getting everybody all mad on Instagram. So, got to put out fires every now and then. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's just in my nature. I can't help it. So, you know, I'm just trying to put the truth out there. Sometimes the truth don't feel good. And that's just kind of how it is. And, and a lot of times, I'm just saying stuff to make people think, look up things. I'm not, I'm not saying what is truth. But we're out here trying to seek the truth. And I think if you're trying to seek the truth, honestly try to seek it, then you really are going to get your butt cheeks tight from time to time. It's just kind of like part part of the drill. But uh, we got Ward Heine here today. And I have said Ward's name a ton of times on this show since I joined. Uh, He is my partner with Merkle Media. We go uh, hunting cryptids and all kinds of weird shit. It's what we do uh, with Tony Merkel, uh, Christian Roper, Jack Merkel, and uh, we have a good time, like a, like, a, like a blast. And he is a videographer, he's a video guy, plus he's a security guy, and uh, he can break your neck with his bare hands, that too. So, all those things, and uh, I know I've, I'm giving you a lot to live up to now, Ward. And uh, he also shoots my uh, yeah. <laughs> he also shoots my music videos, so he is a fantastic eye for a lot of this stuff. Um, so yeah, man, just tell us a little bit about you. Tell people about your projects that you're working on, and uh, then we'll get into the the juicy stuff. Yeah, so uh, I'm a documentary filmmaker, I guess by background and by trade. I worked for. Uh, for the blaze before it was the blaze um, back when it was Glenbeck TV for four or five years. And then I um, did some documentary work, a couple of true crime things. And um, at about that point uh, I had a story kind of fall in my lap about um, an exorcism. And that happened in, uh, in fall of 2020. And uh, if you cast your mind back there, you remember that it was a, um, it was a weird time period, right? Like everyone was very, it was a very surreal time. Everyone was kind of questioning a lot of narratives that they were being fed. And I was no different. Um, and one of those, the thing that really kicked me off uh, down like the high strangeness path was uh, running into a guy named Ray Boucher and his story about, I don't know if you guys have heard about the Collins elite and that whole thing. There was a book by uh, Nick Redfern that documented uh, Boucher's experience and his testimony about being approached by a couple of Department of Defense guys that uh, talked about um, how certain intelligence agencies were using ritual to contact non-human entities, um, which they associated with UFO phenomenon. Um, And that kind of sparked the whole thing. And so when I heard this story about this exorcism that uh, a friend of mine had been involved in, um, I decided to go 
tell that story. And they were in uh, Coalfields, West Virginia, and that kind of turned into the documentary series that I've uh, just finished working on and that releases fully wide to the public uh, October 31st. So that's called Dark Holler. And then um, there's a few other projects we're working on. I don't know how much we can talk about the Skinwalker thing that we did. Yeah, um, we don't. But not think, much, but you could at least like glaze over, you know, where we went. <laughs> That's about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> we went out. We went out real close to a famous location in the Uinta Basin, uh, where shapeshifter activity has been reported, along with a lot of UFO and just sort of all the high strangeness uh, high points are hit out there. Uh, and you'll get sued if you say the name of it. So we're not doing that. But we were right there. Redacted. <laughs> yeah, redacted. <laughs> um, we were right there. Had some weird experiences out there. Um, that should be coming out around the same time, I think. Uh, that'll be with Merkel Media. And then uh, I'm working on um, a couple of things. Actually, this will touch on what you guys were going to ask me about this evening. Um, working on a project... Uh, about some paranormal investigation happening in uh, Appalachia with uh, another podcast called Sword and Staff. Uh, you guys might be interested in listening to if any of the information from tonight seems interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, definitely have to check it yeah, out. Yeah, I've heard some of their stuff. Uh, it's good. It's good stuff. So, uh, Ward uh, has got a great eye and uh, a great ear. And like I said, he could break your neck with his bare hands. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's a good dude. Um, but yeah, we're jacked about this documentary that's coming out at the end of October, 1st of November. I haven't told anybody much of anything. People have been hitting Sean up left and right. Like, yo man, what do you know? What do you know? Yeah. It's like stuff I can't tell you. So, you know, the, 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 or I just go, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's we got it. a lot of good stuff on camera too. So for people that from all avenues of what they want to see, we got all of it. So you like the good interviews? We got that. Yeah. I think uh, what's really interesting about that is, I don't know how Christian's going to edit it, our director editor right. that's working on the project. But I know that we had sort of experiences that run the gamut of the weird from like there was stuff that's right up the conspiratorial alley. Um, there was UFO stuff. Mm. There was occult stuff. There was getting chased by <laughs> vehicles at night, not knowing who's behind you. There was a lot. A lot. So. And uh, I forgot to mention Joe's as part of the team, too, and he had some weird stuff happen, he and Christian, the day before we even got there, which we got on camera. So, for anybody that's complaining, we didn't get anything on camera, hear the dog man thing, uh, I will tell you right now, we yeah. got a lot. Like, it's going to be difficult, really, to pick and choose, like, what you're going to be able to show. We're going to show you all the good stuff, promise. But it's going to be... It's going to be a blast, and we are absolutely, you know, thrilled. Uh, matter of fact, in the week, Ward and I are shooting the music video uh, for the first uh, uh, music video from the soundtrack that I got coming out for for the uh, documentary as well. So we'll have all that coinciding at once. Just know, like, all the video stuff you see, whether it's the music video or whether you see the documentary, uh, Ward's behind all that while he's holding they are so there's that <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And even though I wasn't, obviously I wasn't there because uh, people even asked me, they go, oh man, you're going to go on the next one. I'm like, no, but uh, <laughs> that's not me. You know what I mean? Because everybody, it's funny too, when we were talking about Tony and Tony was saying how so many people hit him up and they're like, oh, I want to go on the next one. I am the opposite. I was like, I will be at, if there is like a party, uh, like a release kind of party, I'll go to that. Like, you know what I mean? But I thought it was cool. Even though I heard a lot of secondhand stories, it kind of like what me and Joel talk about a lot, kind of intertwines the news, the paranormal normal conspiracy you know all of it in together and that's what i think is gonna uh, really blow everybody's mind because it has like that connection which we don't always get through things i think that's gonna be cool yeah there's nothing quite like there's nothing quite like it it's a very in terms of genre and content there's nothing quite like this stuff so and i can't believe you can copyright stuff like that man like can't say certain name like it's crazy man like i hope no one takes my name and then like they're like can't say your name anymore Sean Crow. Well, uh, man that's always <laughs> like, that would suck man like it's just nuts but i still think that's not going to even do anything that's just like that's just like they don't want anybody to get in that territory cuz uh you know stupid history channel man and again history channel sucks man like they used to be cool back in the days now you watch a show and like, it's like nothing but commercials. Everything's like, when we get back and you're like, dude, you literally showed me nothing for an hour. Like I watched this whole thing, hoping I was going to see something, uh, you know, not necessarily see something or give me some good, ep- like anything. And then, all right, tune in next week. And you're like, oh my God, man, I wasted like three episodes in. <laughs> yeah. That show is not good. It's just not well done. <laughs> no, not at all. It's like a, almost like a base of, of like reality TV, you know, mm-hmm. like where they're just like, oh, like, oh, cool. Or, or, and they just cut it up and chop it up and don't let you see any of the good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's just not well done. That's why I was so stoked when uh, Joel told me all you guys were going to go out there. I was like, oh, cool. Some real people are going to do a real documentary about it, like and get some good info. And I think I'm probably one of the most excited. I can't wait to see it. I have, I've only heard, like, like I said, stories. But. To get prepared for the show, Joe sent me a couple of things, you know, like uh, about like angels. And 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 one thing I did not know, I had no idea about this. This is today learning the first time uh, that there was different like, you know, I heard of guardian angels, you know what I mean? But I didn't realize there's so many vast different types of angels. And and I wanted to know if you could like elaborate any uh, a little bit on that, like all these different types of angels and not necessarily every single one, but like the important roles that they play in like uh, our lives and in, uh, you know, the, what God puts them in the place for. Sure. So um, when we think about angelology, this is a a big topic. It's a a deep one that's been studied by uh, very intelligent people, much more intelligent people, great men of history, um, more intelligent than I am. And I'm not an expert on it either. I know what, I've sort of been pushed into uh, reading just based on my experiences the last couple of years uh, working on this stuff. And um, so really to understand, when we talk about angelology or angels in general, we tend to use the word angel in an equivocal way. We use it to mean a broad category of things, um, whereas scripture and tradition divide that up into much more specific things. So angel is literally messenger, uh, is the, the Greek word that's usually used. Um, and to understand um, that, you've really got to start to get a handle on what we call the divine council or the divine council worldview. Now, what I mean by that is if you think about 
um, the way that God is depicted in scripture running the world, it's very much like the head of a, an ancient Near East household. So servants, family, um, the household was more than just, you know, you and your kids. It was like a, uh, a ruler's court, right? A king's court. You think of it like that. And most of our information about that divine council comes to us by way of like vignettes or episodes where we're given a window into what's happening in that divine courtroom. And so a couple of those places, um, people might be familiar with uh, Job. So in the beginning of Job, right, Job's a book about uh, Satan, the the Satan, the accuser, uh, torturing, tormenting Job because he's trying to get Job to curse God and die, basically. And um, the courtroom scene that we get at the beginning of Job goes like this. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Okay, so we've got the sons of God and we've got the Lord. And then we've got Satan also came among them. Okay. And Satan here, it, people have this vision of like guy in red pajamas with a pitchfork. That's not what's being described. Uh, the Shaitan or is just accuser. Okay. So sometimes it references a particular entity, uh, the Satan. Other times it just means accuser the same way angel means messenger. So an angel in that sense could be human, just someone that you're sent to sent with a message. A Satan could be human, someone who brings an accusation, right? But in this context, we have uh, the sons of God coming and presenting themselves before the Lord and the Satan also with them. And the Lord said to uh, Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord from going to and fro on the earth, walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him, blameless and upright, who fears God and, and turns away from evil. And anyway, it goes on and, and Satan they make a, a wager basically where Satan bets that he can get Job to curse God. And what he needs is God's permission to do this to Job. Okay. And he eventually gets it. And the scene sort of repeats itself in the second chapter um, where the same thing basically happens. And God gives him permission, not only to affect Job's possession and his family, but to affect Job's body himself. So what's interesting about that is that we have this assembly, right? The sons of God before God himself, and we've got uh, Satan among them. And they all need permission from God to do what they're going to do. Um, another illustrative like little vignette is uh, um, in Psalm 82, where God is rendering um, judgment on these members of the divine council, these members of his household. Hey, I've been talking about that here lately a lot, actually, that verse. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's great about this is there's really no escaping this particular text. A lot of times when um, that phrase sons of God or Beni Elohim is found in scripture, there are ways to take those verses in isolation and say, well, this is really important men or tribal warlords, that kind of thing. People that consider themselves gods. But Psalm 82 kind of uh, doesn't allow that. It says, so God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Okay, so God judges among the word is Elohim, right? Which is a word that's used for God, but it's also used of these things that he's standing among. It says, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked, defend the poor and fatherless, do justice, etc." He says um, in verse six, 
I have said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like any prince. Hmm. So the idea is, you're gods, but you're going to die like men, right? He's judging them for how they're treating the nations, which raises an interesting point. Like, why are these members of God's household, are, why do they have authority over nations, right? And then also, why are they doing it badly, why are they doing it in contravention of what God would have them do? He's judging them. And so, <laughs> right. He's judging them for that, right? So, um, to understand that, you've kind of got to look, take it back to the original occurrence of Bene Elohim or the sons of God in Scripture, which is in Genesis 6. And if you have any familiarity with the book of Enoch, the first one, um, Genesis 6 appears to be, I think the best way to understand it is that it appears to be a reference to the material in the book of Enoch. Now, the book of Enoch came much later, but that tradition, that belief was probably around uh, much earlier. So Genesis 6, when it talks about the sons of God uh, come into the daughters of men, and the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, right? The relation between the sons of God coming into the daughters of men hmm. is that something about that union produces the Nephilim, right? Or else the, there's no reason for them to be there next to each other. And uh, it's just a phrase or two in Genesis 6. And so to figure out what that's talking about, there are a few different ways of handling it. And But I think the best one is to assume that it's referring to this constant theme that you see in other ancient Near Eastern cultures that were contemporary with the writing of Genesis um, that had these cultural myths of what made their civilizations great. So we're talking Mesopotamian civilizations, uh, Sumeria, Babylon. What made them great was that the divines came down and gave them wisdom. And typically that interaction is also characterized uh, with a sexual component, gave them wisdom and the production of that union are their culture heroes. So the Nephilim from Genesis 6 are, say, the Epkalu from Mesopotamia. That's their word for the production of that union. And the Epkalu, the Mesopotamians understood them to be um, their cultural heroes, like what makes our culture great? Well, it's the things that the divines gave us. The Apkalu gave us metallurgy and uh, magic and astrology and all of these like secret wisdom things and technologies that make our civilization superior to the civilizations around us. And so Genesis 6, I think, makes the most sense functioning as a rhetorical corrective to how those cultures saw their relationship to the divine, right? They're saying... Actually, your cultural heroes, the divines that came down and made the Apkalu, those were rebels against the Most High God. Okay, Those are rebels against the God who actually is self-existent, who creates everything, who doesn't do evil. Um, and so, yeah, that, I think that's the way to make the most sense of what is happening in Genesis 6 and why it's just this almost throwaway phrase. If you're reading through, you're like, what, is, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> Um, it's because the original audience would have all the context to be like, oh, this is the, the myth that it's referencing. 
So, uh, we find out, uh, if you're familiar at all with the biblical narrative in Genesis 11, uh, the Tower of Babel, right? The people come together and they build a tower and they're attempting to reconstruct a mountain, okay? A ziggurat or a pyramid or a tower or an obelisk uh, is a high place, right? So which also the Adena Mounds in the U.S. are high places. Let me ask you this, though, where I don't but, cut you off. Yeah, yeah. So what are your thoughts on the Tower of Babel not necessarily being a tower they're building up or whether it was some sort of technology that they were trying to open something. Yeah. So the high places are, if you just think about it, think about it as a person before there were airplanes and drones, mm -hmm. right? A high place takes you closer to the sky. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the ancient cosmology, which is shared in the biblical worldview, as well as, I mean, every ancient cosmology, uh, is is divided into three parts okay there's heaven earth waters under the earth so heaven is where the divine beings the spiritual beings dwell earth is where you and i dwell and then the waters under the earth are where the dead dwell and also like condemned spirits all right so if you look at old maps right the monsters are out at the edges of the map and they're in the water because mm. that's where chaos is you take a boat and you go away from land, you're eventually going to die, mm. right? A lot of people do this over and over. So the idea is the monsters are out at the edges, the chaos is out the edges. So when you build up, what are you trying to do? You're trying to build something on earth that goes up to heaven. So you say, open a portal, right? Like we can use that language for it. They would use, we're, you know, we're going to go meet with the divines. The divines are up. We're going to build a thing that goes up. So I don't think it's either or. I mean, it could be some weird piece of technology. I, I also don't think it's out of the question um, that that it was more than just a myth that the sons of God gave those cultures technology. Um, I think it's very possible that some of the megalithic things that we see around the earth, that we have trouble coming up with a strategy to build using modern technology. Um, may have been built with things that are lost, like knowledge that's lost to us. And that's not just like a crazy Christian idea, like, uh, you know, Graham Hancock's talking about that. Um, a lot of the alternate history people are, are looking at things like the weather patterns around the Sphinx and saying, this thing is way older. Um, this is pre-cataclysm, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's quite possible that that's what Babel, it, at least that's what Babel functions as. And if you look at it symbolically, um, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, so in the Garden of Eden, uh, God is on the holy mountain. There's a garden at the foot of the mountain, and then there's the edge of the land. Mm -hmm. Okay. So God on top, man in the garden, and then the charge that God gives man is go make the, expand the garden out to take over the land. When they sin, God sends them out of the garden to the east right? And he positions one of the types of angels, a cherubim at the Eastern gate with a flaming sword. Um, and so you can imagine generations down the road. So you're, imagine you're Adam and Eve. You walk out to the East, you turn around and come back and you want to get back in. 
And what's presented there to you is an angel with a flaming sword. There's no way back in, right? You can't pass through blade and flame. So generations down the line, somebody gets the idea. Um, well, Nimrod probably gets the <laughs> idea. Uh, let's build our own mountain, right? Like, why do we have to go back through that way? Let's build our own mountain. So, yeah, I think it's, it is a high place. It's a mountain. It's a portal back to contact with the divine. And you look at, um, you know, Mount Hermon is in that mythos uh, recognized to be the place where people assumed that the uh, the sons of God, the Bene Elohim or the Apkalu, uh, where that event took place was on Mount Hermon. It's on the top of Mount Hermon um, and, you know, on top of a mountain. And if you look at other cultures, um, I think it was Japan, it was Japan or China that to this day has a festival wherein the uh, head of state, the emperor or whatever, uh, goes into a temple and is supposed to uh, meet with the divine in the temple on like one night, right? And there's like a sexual overtone really? to the Really? Still meeting. does? Yeah, and it's it's up. Okay, like um, the Mayans, right? Mm -hmm. All the ziggurats in South America. Uh, You've got the high places in North America. You've got, I mean, it's it's uh, ubiquitous uh, ancient symbolism. To go up is to go toward the divine. And to your point earlier, how you were talking about uh, Elohim, that it doesn't just mean God. It does also mean like deities as well, right? Like it would mean like other entities. So this would be like... Um, you know angels and stuff like that now when we talk about that like i was wondering like does this do the angels and the nephilim kind of cross each other's path when it comes to like greek myth greek mythology like when you talk about the gods and the councils and all that like i was wondering like you know we always talk about zeus and they call them gods but like at the same time where they calling him elohim which is not necessarily god but later on transferred through time translated through time you know people misunderstand what people mean especially when it's through so many different languages is do you do you see that as like kind of the same thing like that those were who was running the earth at that time pre obviously pre uh, uh, Jesus pre uh, all that like okay that's yep. what I was kind of like wondering so uh, do you remember who I don't know a ton about Greek mythology but I do again uh, the sword and staff guys are where you want to go for this but uh, in Greek mythology do you remember who Poseidon's wife is Poseidon was supposed to be the founder of Atlantis right. And Atlantis is, um, is concentric circles. Okay. Do you remember who Poseidon takes as a wife? It's a human. All right. So you have. Well, he bore Titans, uh, correct. Poseidon, her, right. Yeah. Right. So Titan, Apkalu, Nephilim. Mm. Right. So, the, yeah. And the mythology of that, this is what's weird if you want to do. Like, I don't assume that people are, are Christian or take scriptures authoritative, yeah. but like, look at all the, all the times that that mythology replicates itself in other ancient cultures. Like there's something, that's a weird story to be invented, uh, ex, like out of nothing. Right? Well, every, every culture the, does, even Chinese yeah. culture, like we go, you can go far, every corner of the globe. I mean, you know. Ward, we were we were just in Utah and we saw petroglyphs with six-fingered giants on there from thousands of years ago. 
So this is showing up here in North America too. So this is constantly a theme of there being six finger giants, them being the sons and daughters of the the intermingling of quote unquote gods and humans. This is this is a theme that just doesn't let up. And what's funny is all of these bones and all of these things that are found. And we 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 could find pictures right now uh, of of you know newspapers from early 1900s, late 1800s, pictures of these giant bones here in North America. I mean, you could go overseas right now in some uh, museums, and they'll bring out some stuff for you to see. You know, they don't do it here in the state. They don't do it in the Smithsonian. They got a lot back there. But but at the end of the day, like you're right, Ward. It, it's 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 in every single culture since the dawn of time. And and it's and you can't just block it out and act like, oh, well, it's just some mythos. It's whatever. I just keep showing up, though, right? Also, what really struck me is when you were talking about councils, like, you know what I mean? And that's kind of like, I mean, through movies and, and books and going through Greek mythology, I'm not like an expert either, but like, you know, just seeing through movies, just like even Hercules or something like that, right? Where you can see in, in, in any movie where they depict like other gods, it's always this council type of deal. And that kind of like clicks something in my head. And then when you, that's when you start seeing like a Hercules character is like across when you're crossing the, you know what I mean? The, the, these dentists with human beings like you know what I mean you have like something new and I think that's something throughout history but like I thought really the council thing really got me even like in Star Wars like you know what I mean <laughs> councils are so important you know what I mean like and throughout movies and I, you know they tell us something and, and that's what made me think and then just hearing a couple of the podcasts Joel sent me and doing a little bit of research and I was like well so there's a lot of these uh, uh, you know angel councils like good bad or like it's like they are also making judgment even though they are also being judged and they're not the most high but that if I feel like there was a time where they got you know the playing field where like God was just kind of like, okay, here you go. What are you guys going to do with this world? And then, you know, pre Noah and everything. And I think then we saw what they did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think one of the, a lot of like modern evangelicals tend to view like um, God in a very immediate way. And I mean that in its technical sense, like without a mediator between him and nature, just like, running stuff but the way that the council is depicted um god decrees and sometimes he'll say let us go do this sometimes he'll say who will go do this and waits for one of them to step up so like here's this is a an example um in first kings okay ahab was like a really evil king there's child sacrifice going on in the temples and he's constructing high places to worship demon gods and stuff so all of these um all these prophets ahab wants to know if he's going to win a particular battle okay and all of his prophets come to him and they say you got to go you're going to win god will give the enemy into your hands and there's one guy and they ask this guy's micaiah and the the other king that's going to go out to battle with ahab says is there a guy missing here there's 400 prophets that are saying we should go do this. Is there somebody missing that says something else? And Ahab's like, well, there's one guy, Micaiah, but he always, I hate him. He always prophesies bad things against me, right? Because I'm, you know, murdering children in the streets. Um, and so 
we'll pick it up with like the messenger goes and summons Micaiah and he says, look, all these 400 prophets are over here saying good things about the king. You got to go say a good thing, man. You can't show up and like tell him that he's going to get his ass kicked when he goes to fight. <laughs> and Micaiah says, uh, as the Lord lives, whatever he says to me, I will speak. And so he, when he'd come to the king, the king says, uh, Micaiah, should we go up here to uh, Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we hold back? Micaiah answered him, um, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So he says the same thing. But then the king said to him, says to this prophet, Micaiah, how many times will I make you swear that you speak nothing to me but truth in the name of the Lord? Micaiah says, all right, fine. I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his peace. Right? Like basically the king's going to die. And um, the, the Ahab turns to the other king, Jehoshaphat, and he said, didn't I tell you this guy only says evil things? <laughs> and um, Micaiah says, uh, this is the interesting part. He says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at this battle? And one said one thing, he's talking about the angels talking among themselves, right? The divine council members. One said one thing and another said another. And then a spirit came forward and said, stood before the Lord saying, I'll go entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I'll go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do it. So what's interesting about that is if we extrapolate that, that that's the way that the universe is being governed. It's not immediate, like God's fingers on the button. The lightning strike is not, you know, right. Um, but the decrees are carried out by this hierarchy, by the household of God. And if you look at, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way that he deals with us too, right? Is, um, and that's one of the things that's been helpful about learning all of this is if you, think of nature, the world that we inhabit and that we can see as being within supernature. So it's all participating in the same thing. Mm. It's not like two separate spheres. It's we're within supernature. And just as many varied and weird characters as there are humans, right? There are probably just as many, much variety and just as many weird characters of different dispositions in the spiritual realm too. There are probably ones that are doing their jobs and there are probably ones that are deliberately inverting and not doing their jobs. So um, things like the Fae, we talk about the, the Fae from Celtic folklore, which also I think probably ties into the missing 411 phenomena mm. and even things like Bigfoot. You know, what are these entities that are leading people out into the woods and getting them lost? Well, there's a category of angel, there's a category of spirit that we have called the virtues or elemental spirits that are responsible for maneuvering nature, like making sure that nature runs the way it's supposed to. So what do you do when nature stops working the way it's supposed to and breaks those laws and leads a person off into the woods and teleports them like miles from where they're supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they come back and tell stories about, oh, there were people in the woods that peeked out behind trees and I would walk to the next tree and then it would bait me to the next one, mm. which is exactly what fae stories are, right? Which also has a lot of parallel with alien abduction phenomena. Grace. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, 
we have a category for that behavior. Let me ask like you we this. may be calling by a different name. Let me ask you yeah. this. You're talking you, you started tapping into the hierarchy of angels and, and I know that's where we're going with this. You talk about the virtues. And the virtues, if I'm correct, is one of the middle orders, correct? You got like the highest order, then you got a middle order, and you got the low orders. If you could break that down for people so they could understand what yeah. groups classes are in these three different orders. Okay. Yeah, so and there are different hierarchies. There are different ways of um, thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the we talk about uh, choirs of angels, and a choir is like a classification or a type of angel. Okay, mm-hmm. and within the choirs, there are nine choirs, and this is kind of this is drawing on Aquinas, and before him, um, <laughs> Pseudo Dionysius of. Area, uh, I can't remember a, a church father from the fifth century. Yeah, I know a diocese uh, who yeah. they took, um, you know, the the biblical data, all these places where they're mentioned, and constructed this hierarchy. Now, like as a Protestant, I want to hold this with kind of a loose hand because there's a little bit of overlap in them, uh, and just acknowledging that it is tradition, right? But all these things are mentioned in scripture Mm -hmm. and they're doing basically what those guys are saying they're doing. So the first uh, group of the, the nine choirs are broken up into three triads. Okay. So three groups of three, the first triad is responsible for basically their, you can think of them as facing God. They contemplate and adore God directly. So that's seraphim, cherubim and thrones. Um, And we can go into like, those are actually given descriptions uh, in scripture of what they appear to people that see them. Um, but they rarely interact with humans because right they're in the throne room of God directly. Um, what a couple of the interesting things about this is that the cherubim are depicted as hybridized beings. So like they have human features and animal features. Mm. Um they also, it's a cherubim that's placed at the east gate of the garden when the people are kicked out. Right. So they guard sacred space. When God tells uh, the Israelites how to build the tabernacle, he has them draw on the curtain that separates the holy place from the courtyard. Uh, he has them draw, or not draw, but, you know, sew, embroider a cherubim with a flaming sword on it. All right. The message being cherubim guard holy places. What's real interesting about that is you go look at temples in China, you go look at the Sphinx guarding the pyramids, you look at Mayan architecture guarding the ziggurats, and you have hybridized beings guarding sacred space. Hmm. Right? So that's odd. Um, uh, the interesting thing, the uh, seraphim, so that seraph or seraphim um, is related to our word for serpent. Okay. Now the the serpent in the garden is not seraph. That's not the word for it. But the word is nakash, which we could think of as a dragon. We think obviously it's a it's a spiritual being. Uh, it's possible that that is a seraphim, because it would be in the presence of God, and that would explain also why uh, Adam and Eve don't freak out that it's talking to them, right? It's not a snake. It's a being that they're familiar with because they live in the presence of God. So they've seen these things. Hmm. So um, the Nakash, the interesting thing about Nakash is it's used elsewhere in scripture and also in like 
uh, not that word, but the the word itself, Nakash Saraf, that phrase is used of the flying serpents that uh, terrorize the people in numbers when they're complaining and the right the flying snakes come through and bite them and they're <laughs> poisoned and they have to look at the bronze serpent. They have to look at the bronze Nakash Saraf on the pole. Um, that's the same phrase. And then uh, in Egypt, there's, if you look at uh, depictions of flying serpents, it's actually, it's a cobra. Like it's depicted as cobra, which yeah, is a, like a, a semi-divine thing for them. So that's interesting. So quick, but that first triad. So yeah. quick question, because we're talking about other uh, cultures and them having these hybridized looking beings you know this is back to the cherubim so you see this throughout these other cultures in front of you know these different um you know like you said the sphinx and and other uh, other uh, other cultures so my question is when those cultures saw these things were they like were they cherubim that were had left? Is what I'm saying. Were they were they these gods that had left? Because if you think about it, when Lucifer and the one third were kicked out, I'm assuming that the one third also had these hierarchies as well. It wasn't just oh, it was you know Lucifer and his minions. Because if I'm correct, a lot of people think that Lucifer was a seraphim because the seraphim were at the upper peak of what uh, the angelic. Um, council was so you know especially with them having the serpentine features and then then him always having that relation to the you know the snake the serpent serpent i'm assuming that these other cultures that these things also guarded maybe divine places for them and their gods or they would be the gods i would assume but if i'm correct yeah so this is exact and this isn't again just a christian thing this is actually uh, reflected in the occult conception of uh, as above, so below, right? So the hierarchy that we're talking about is inverted on the other side. Mm. So it because the, the same kind of beings, right? It's right. The, the same kind of beings, some with different allegiances. Um, so yeah, exactly. And I think probably just because because again nature is within supernature so it's probably just a feature of the way that reality is that when you build a temple you have guardians so if you build a temple to some up jumped rebel principality which we'll get to in a minute uh that you put cherubic and by that i mean hybridized animals as the guardians to that space because that's the way the like that's the way the spiritual world is so um that and it's not just people reading the bible and coming up with that like whatever your means of perceiving the spiritual are apparently like the occultists and stuff are coming up with this roughly the same hierarchical idea i mean it's the same thing as the mesopotamians and the Evkalu. like they're not wrong right like right they misunderstand the context. They don't understand that they're in rebellion against the Most High. They don't understand, really, they invert good and evil, which mm -hmm. is the original thing. But it's not like they got the mechanics wrong. Right. 
But one thing I don't understand, and maybe Joel or or what what either or of you, and trigger warning because you know I don't want people to get all mad because they're just questions. But like one thing I've always had a like what I'm not understanding is like uh, I know that we've gotten as human beings have been granted free will, right? That's one of the gifts we've been given. Now when we get with these angels, like how could they? ever go away from God. That's one thing that I've never understood, like, and and not in a bad way or anything, but like, how were they able to, like you said, now, is it that God was like creating, you know, obviously, you know, angels first and kind of building everything within and each time that he, uh, maybe they had free will as well, some of them. So what's interesting about that, um, is I'm like full bore Calvinist, which means I believe that Everything that happens, every molecule, every atom, its motion from the beginning was declared uh, in the mind of God. Now, immediately the question is, what about free will? So I would offer – I I affirm that people uh, freely choose what they want to do as well. So how do those two things reconcile? All right. Well – if you were a character in Lord of the Rings, okay, and you watched uh, Schmeagol kill whoever it is that he kills, the the guy that turns his, the murder turns him into Gollum, right? And you watched that happen as a character in Lord of the Rings, and you said, "Why did he kill that guy?" And the answer would be greed, because he saw the ring, right? It would be Gollum's greed; he chose to murder him. If you step out of that uh, book, if you're no longer a character in it, you step outside that time and that space, and you sit next to Tolkien as he's writing it, and you say, Tolkien, why does Gollum kill, or Schmeagol kill that guy? Uh, Tolkien could say, well, because of all of these reasons in the story that end up making the story good, right? If, Gall- if Smeagol never murders that guy, the story isn't as good. It can't happen. So I would say a similar thing is happening where when we're looking at each other and observing time and space from our perspective, it's perfectly accurate to say you have free will. You do what you want to do. You are going to do what you want to do. Um, from outside of that, if you and we can't really conceive of that because our minds have always been trapped here. But outside of it, it is also true that God decreed it to happen that way. And I know I was going to say, does that make sense? <laughs> well, I was going to tell you that it does because um, it's funny you say that because I, I've said this. I don't know if I said it here, but I've told people before, like my dad passed away when I was young. Right. So like I really had a, uh, a hatred towards God. I didn't even like, you know how some people say, oh, I don't think he exists. No, I knew. And then I was mad. I was just very upset. But as I got older, I correlated and kind of traced the path like, man, if if this if that didn't happen, that I wouldn't be here. And if that didn't happen, that I wouldn't be here. And then I kind of just started getting the dots together. So it in me personally, in my own life, I can actually really relate to that. Yeah, it's I think you have you have two alternatives. Um, Either when you look at any grave evil thing, either God didn't have control of it. In which case, it's quite possible it, there's no reason for it. It's just brute fact, stupid evil. Or God was in control of it, and you have to trust that in the end, the story is worth it. The story is good enough when you get to the end of the book 
that it's worth that evil. And like, that's a hard thing. That's emotionally a hard thing to say. And I mean, there's, yeah. Yeah. In saying that, uh, I, I just kind of want to, uh, jump on the, the predestination part of it. Um, whether you're a Calvinist or, or whatever, if you do believe in a God that created the universe, I would have to think that he knew everything, how it was going to play out when it went down. And in saying that too, though, there's that free will piece that I do think that angels, yes, had free will just like us. I think that they, um, and I've said this before on this show and on several other shows, that Lucifer's biggest beef with God wasn't necessarily that he thought he could do a, a better job than God, but that we were created. And I don't think that they were too happy with the fact that, you know, God created us as a being that he would put up pretty high to love. And I think that Lucifer would look at us and say, look at me, man. Like I am a fucking seraphim. Like, look at me. (laughs) And it was written that he was like favored, right? Wasn't it written that he was the favorite of God? And it's like almost like that new little brother syndrome or you got a puppy. You know what I mean? Because obviously we're going to need more attention. Like I I have friends sometimes are like, man, how come my mom doesn't go? Uh, you know tell me this and that and they're like well and she helps my brother and it's like well you have everything together you know what i mean you you don't she doesn't have to worry about you you know what i mean you go to work you get the money you you do everything you need to do so sometimes they don't ask you because they just assume that you got it under control and i feel it's like a similar pattern you know what i mean like where they were created before us you know because in the beginning of time and when everything was created because when they even say in like genesis i've always believed this you know they say it took seven days and i was always like well what's seven days what's a day to god what's an hour to God, we have made the concept of time, you know what I mean? As far as what we see it as and perceive it on the world of, oh, it's 24 hours in a day and this and that. I think it's much deeper than that. And I think that they had a really tight bond. And that does answer if they had some sort of free will. I think that uh, a jealousy can be created and that that jealousy was, I think it was jealousy as well. I think that he we had to be paid more attention to because we don't have the abilities <laughs> that these other deities have. You know what I mean? We're just like, we could easily just be dead in one second. <laughs> Listen to this. It's even wor- you didn't talk about like sympathy for the devil. It's even worse than that. It, with this understanding of what Bene Elohim, sons of God, means, right? You go to John, the Gospel of John. So in the beginning of uh, of John, he's talking about direct revelation of uh, what Jesus told him about himself pre-incarnate, right? It's that series of in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, you get to verse um, 12 down here, and if you read this in light of what sons of God meant, right, the divine council, and this was God's plan from eternity past. So it says, um, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, speaking of Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people, and they didn't receive him. But listen, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the sons of God. So, when you go to Revelation, and you see people, you see humans reigning as elders in the throne room of God, it says, we will judge the angels. Mm. So, imagine being a seraphim getting that news 
<laughs> right? <laughs> that this lowly yeah, creature sure. in flesh, all the way at the bottom of the hierarchy, right? That that thing is going to rule over me in eternity? So, yeah, I think you're you're dead. like you're more right than you know about the jealousy thing. Like that's absolutely right. And it says elsewhere in I think it's First Corinthians, um, if they basically if the principalities and powers had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of Glory. So God hid that plan of how that was going to come to take place. He used subterfuge and hid it because if they had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified him because it's the crucifixion that turns everything so anyway yeah, i don't want to no. i don't want to preach oh no, yeah that's no man it's great oh no i love this conversation <laughs> man and like like i tell people all the time like i'm not i don't claim any uh religion or anything like i just kind of like listen and kind of like go off and and to me this is interesting because like that's what i liked uh when i was telling joe and even when i was talking to tony and people and now you ward like it's it's more uh i res get more information when someone's just openly talking about it not like hey man you got to believe this we're actually having a discussion like and you're like oh that okay then and and you're getting actual explanation not like hey man just go read the bible again and you're like okay well <laughs> like i need i need more you know i need a discussion i want to like get ideas out there and i really do believe that like now that we're talking about like this whole uh free will whatever that may be you know what i mean like but that people could make their own decisions. And if angels could make their own decisions, then you would definitely get people to be corrupted. So if people are be able to corrupt it, angels will be able to corrupt it. So if one's jealous, that emotion and be able to get people to rally on their side, then you're also going to have angels that are going to be loyal to God regardless, no matter what. And, and they believe in the plan. They believe in everything that's supposed to go through like they know it's right, but the other people, they're so emotionally or not people, angels that are so emotionally detached, then they became and started. That's where maybe we get a lot of this, um, all these different religions and different practices. And then through humans as well, who are corrupted sometimes and, and get power hungry, they as well use the religious aspect and change a little thing here, change a little thing there. And that's why there's so much confusion of where everybody's like, oh, this is the right religion. This is the right religion. Because when I was growing up and going through history, class I really was like man it just seems like they're all connected somehow like maybe not every single word like you know not every single thing like there's differences for sure and I'm not just talking about Christian religions I'm talking about like every religion that it has this base that it's all kind of connected and I just feel like humans and at the time I thought humans but now that we're discussing angels I think with those angels corruption and with those humans following because they're you know they're going to promise them power so they're like yeah what do you want to do like whatever you want we're going to do and i think that's why we're in such a confusion of like people not knowing who god is and what he means to us and i think that was also, the intention yeah. this is still going on guys just let's let me put this out there right now because this show ain't kill the mockingbirds if I'm not talking something crazy. So what I'm going to say right now is we're still talking to these guys and they're still hooking people up with power and there's all kind of crazy stuff going on behind the scenes. It's just not all out in the open like it was like antediluvian world. It's just not like that. And even even post-flood where it was still a little crazy, you still had Nephilim, you still had that stuff going on for you know a few thousand years. But what they figured out is the, these these hierarchy of demonic angels, this the fallen angels, what they figured out is, hey, we're not going to be in your face anymore. What we're going to do is 
We're going to do all this stuff behind the scenes. We're going to craftily manipulate and we're going to promise the same people power, the, the, the same bloodlines power. We're going to do the same thing, but it's going to be way more covert, way more manipulative because the biggest game in the world. And, and this has been said a million times is, you know, the devil's biggest game was convincing everybody didn't exist. And that is what's going on right now. And that's why people are so blinded because like the supernatural has been taken out of everything. The supernatural has been taken out of the church. And that is shocking to me mm-hmm. because people say they believe in a supernatural God. And you know me, uh, Sean, we go on rants all the time on the phone about this, where I, I am actually blown away with like yeah. people that are quote unquote Christians that don't believe in like the supernatural, the massive supernatural world that there is it how you believe in a guy that like a god that we can't understand that created the universe and then you're like you know what he just created us and then everything's very logical from there on out it makes no sense yeah 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 and i've and i've said this for years and then it was just funny because you reiterated you said the same thing to me and well in different words but it was the same thing i used to tell people i'm like so you don't believe in angels but you believe in aliens and then i would be like you don't believe in aliens but you believe in angels like you don't see that they're kind of have something like it doesn't necessarily mean they're the same thing but i mean i mean kind of there's a lot of similarities man and then like they can't see it though they're like oh no no way man yeah. no uh, way <laughs> i mean you want me to dive down that rabbit hole the whole yeah, Crowley. Okay. Oh yeah. So, uh, I don't know, Sean, are you familiar with, uh, Crowley's, uh, conjuring of the entity lamb? Right. Yes. We talked a little bit okay. about that. So yeah. Lamb, um, says today they'll, they call us demons tomorrow. It'll be aliens basically. Um, and then you can trace, you guys probably know more about this than I do, but you can trace directly from Crowley and, uh, uh, his personal secretary, whose name I can't recall, um, but the the secretary wrote a book uh, on Crowley's theory that the Adena, um, that is the the mound building cultures prior to what we think of as Native Americans, uh, when they built those mounds, that they had in some sense opened a gateway or a portal to the other side, and. Crowley devotees like Jack Parsons of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Robert Goddard, um, all those guys were involved in contact. I mean, there's no other word for it. That's what they thought they were doing, contacting spiritual beings and receiving wisdom, receiving knowledge from them. And then we have space program. We have 1947 and onward <laughs> with the UFO phenomenon, like exploding. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't. I mean, there are some wilder aspects of that that rabbit hole that I don't know. Like, I don't know if Eisenhower met with a, an alien in a hangar in Nebraska, but like that pattern, like, is in every culture. And so, when it repeats here, you can't be like, it's not that great. Yeah. Like, the crazy thing would be if it didn't happen, if it didn't repeat in any way. Well, yeah, and I've been talking about the Book of Enoch here a lot lately um, with a lot of my theories, but, you know, we talk about the Watchers that basically traded technology for access to the women, and that was part of what created the Nephilim. So that right there, to me, is repeat itself. Here we go again, but it's just in a different guise, and I think that that they are – you know, at least Lucifer or is one of the many names that he takes. But, you know, 
And we're not supposed to say Lucifer anymore. Remember, we had Eddie on. We, we do, we but say he's still, he's still no. taking it, though. But yeah, <laughs> I yeah, know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, yeah we don't think about St. Lucifer on here. But the the deal is with, uh, with with Lucifer is he maps stuff out like way in advance. You know, the way I was taught was like, you know, God can see everything all at once, encompassing, where Lucifer, he could see a lot. Like he would be, like say he was juxtaposed away from the earth he could see what's going on in the globe you know what i mean like it would be he could see a lot and he can see in the future in in a sense it's not the same way that god looks at things but he's able to map things out um it's just like a massive like he looks at the globe as a massive chessboard and every little piece and every little thing's moving a certain way and you know even we look at uh hieroglyphics and 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 where it looks like there's gray aliens up there or uh nephilim or whatever else and then now we're talking about you know ancient astronaut theories and they're going to these things in mayan culture and everything else and trickling it in i think that yeah they they always kind of had a certain look and it's just kind of morphed into this reptilian gray alien agenda that's moving into now i i think it it all ties together yeah they'll wear whatever mask is necessary to deceive yeah, no, for sure. Um, I do want to ask you this because you were on the uh, the first uh, group. Uh, I'd like to get to the, the middle orders. You talked about the virtues. Uh, talk about the other two uh, before we get to that last lowest order. Okay, so uh, the middle uh, triad uh, has to do with um, beings that uh, uh, caretake creation. So that basically make the universe run the way that it's supposed to according to God's decree. So here there are dominions or dominations, uh, virtues and powers. Okay. So dominions, um, are the idea is that they take the wisdom of God from the upper order and they declare how creation should then operate. Virtues uh, are more directly like hands-on operating nature the way that it's meant to. And then powers um, are sort of holding back natural evil. And so when you see cultures uh, almost ubiquitously associating natural evils like um, earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, that kind of thing with spiritual entities, that's the role of powers. Um, so that's the the middle triad. And some of the, the interesting things there are, like we talked about, the virtues um, are also referred to as elemental spirits in the New Testament mm. and also in lots of like other myths, right? Um, there are always spirits of the wood, spirits of the water. Um, so, and things like the uh, Duatha de Dineen in Irish folklore, the Fae, um, these are, you know, beings in the wilderness that will, that are often uh, trickster type entities. Um, I think there is speculation and I, <sighs> on the, the Bigfoot subject that um, mm. the reason that there are Bigfoot that appear to behave as sort of benevolent nature guardians, and there are also Bigfoot that appear to behave as terrorizing, malicious, malevolent entities, um, is that there are, that's some sort of representation of an elemental spirit of the wood, an elemental spirit of the forest. Um, 
and also like if you're familiar with like uh timothy renner and i forget the other guy's name the um uh, where the footprints end is like a these are books detailing story after story of bigfoot encounters that don't uh fit neatly into the woodland ape kind of idea that have this supernatural stuff occur with them like orbs like disappearing or appearing out of thin air uh that kind of thing so um yeah that's uh that's the second triad that deals with regulating nature and then yeah that's interesting because uh we just met ron moorhead a couple weeks ago at a uh at a conference and it was great but he spoke and he was you know his whole thing's quantum bigfoot so he talks about that about the footprints disappearing um he had one that followed him back to his house so his house was you know we're talking Miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away from where he was tracking these things. And he broke down how they were playing, they were messing with them and they knew they were there. And he said they, they, he, he and his buddy, when they went outside to run up on one, they hit a force field and they couldn't get close to it. It was a literal force field when they got there. They bumped up against it and he touched it and he couldn't press anything past it. He knew it was beyond that, but he said they were, they would slip in and out of, you know, whatever dimensional, dimensionally. And he said one chased him back, like followed him back to his house. And he said that he thinks that they can instantly get to certain places. And that just really plays into what you're just talking about right now about elemental spirits. I mean, they would be able to instantly get to another place within, you know, fractions of a second. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nature and supernature, right? When we talk about mm-hmm. dimensions, I I hear that as another like nomenclature for spiritual physical, another nomenclature for natural supernatural. And yeah, I think because nature exists within supernature and who knows how the relationship of geography plays into that, although we'll talk about it in a second, um because it does play into it in some way. But uh yeah, I think traveling um great distances. I mean, the reason a possible reason that some of the uh, UFO type phenomena can do things that defy physics might be because they're not physics, right? It's not physical. Mm. Well, kind of reminded well, the way he described it too. It kind of reminded me of like a video game where you can't go uh, once you go to the edge of the map. <laughs> you, you know, you're just running. You know, you're just running in place. It kind of reminds me of that. And then it's kind of now you got me thinking, like you know how a lot of people about uh, Antarctica and how we can't go there, and a lot of the flat earthers theorize of that. You know, there's more planes. But what if it's just that there's these universal laws that there there's areas that we, they control that that that's their habitat of like this is my uh, this is my journey. Jurisdiction. I am the manager of this area of the forest or you know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to break it down into simpler terms, but I think that that's kind of what I feel what it is, is like, Hey, you can't go. This is not your, you know, the universe tells you that you can go over here. You later on when you get to the, the uh, you know, God, the, the, uh, the almighty, then yeah, then you can run the joint. But right now you're just, a, you know what I mean? You're just playing the game, man. You're level one right now, bro. You need to, you need to calm yeah, down. Unlock the the before you can go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Gotta get a map pack. <laughs> That's funny that you would... Uh, so one of the, the third triad that deal with man, particularly, um, the top of that triad are called principalities, and they are geographically associated. 
So they're over sort of people groups or a geographic region, exactly what you're talking about with Antarctica or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And you can see like uh, an example of that is in Daniel 10, where Daniel prays and God dispatches uh, an, an angel, but the angel is um, delayed because he's fighting the prince of Persia. Right. It's clearly not a human prince that's delaying the angel. <laughs> yes. Wild. Fighting the principality that's over Persia to get through to Daniel, who's, you know, in exile. So um yeah, I the angels can get delayed, man. <laughs> and so wild. And geography plays right, geography plays a role, which is weird. Geography is more than just in that nature subset. In some sense, it reaches out into the supernatural, which is bizarre. But yeah, well, you're talking about that last subset, right? And and you brought up, you know, the uh, principalities. Uh, what was fascinating to me when I was looking at this stuff was the archangels are talked about a lot in the Bible, right? And they're actually just above like your regular angels or what would probably be guardian angels would be a part in that lower tier form. But archangels are, are pretty powerful when you're talking about like, you know, Michael and Gabriel and some of these guys. And, and, and I think for, you know, I don't know if that's, it, it's, it's a uh, foregone, you know, thing that's set in stone, but I know typically what I've heard is there's seven archangels um, or what they consider to be seven. Um, tell me what you know about the archangels and and why you think that they are kind of at this level, even though they're shown to be so powerful and they're, and they're actually shown to be warriors or captains in, in this kind of more of a, a, a fighting, you know, battle sense. Um, tell me what you think about them. Well, because they're so that the seven archangel thing comes from um, Tobit, I think, which is like a, uh, apocryphal isn't the right word, but it's a book that's not canonical. But right. A lot of that, like Uriel and Raphael, and the other, a lot of the names that are used in like occult witchcraft practice to invoke the archangels come from that. Um, in scripture, we have Gabriel, who's never named as an archangel, but tradition sort of recognizes him because he has a name. And then we have Michael, who's named as an archangel. Um, I think the reason that they show up so much. Uh, is because of their proximity to humans, right? That third triad, mm -hmm. when they're... See, a lot of the other um, triads we don't get direct vision of because they're... Right. Unless they're the evil... Unless they're the fallen version of it because they're not supposed to be focused on humans. Which is why yeah. we would think they would be gods when we would see them because they would be so massive and powerful when they would show themselves. Right, so like... Um, when a human, a lot of the like disorganized paganism, like animism and that kind of thing, that was yeah, like druids and that kind of thing. So you you run into yeah. an elemental spirit in the wood, and you have no context for what that is. Like, of course, like, and the elemental spirit demands sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So that that's like that disorganized paganism is a lot of fallen elementals propping themselves up as deities. Um. But the ones that we have more interaction with, at least in scripture, are that, that latter triad of principalities, archangels, angels. So I think that's why you run into more of that is, um, is actually part of their job is when it's necessary interacting with humans. Okay. 
Like, cause they're our connection. They're like our, our phone home, right? Like they're, like, Hey man, we need a, I got a lifeline. Hey Gabriel, what's up, man? Things are it's looking a little bleak over here. And I always recognize them kind of like the Marines of the angels. You know what I mean? Like I send the cavalry in type thing. You know, they're the front line, the first line of defense, you know, they're the first ones to get through that. And to your point, a lot of these other, you know, like when you go back to the hierarchy, like they were supposed to run other things to make sure everything, cause Everything's supposed to be run smooth, like almost like a, a, a well-oiled machine, right? Like where, hey, you're taking care of this, make sure that uh, nature and maybe some of these have, with the fallen uh, and they've been able to not just corrupt, but maybe now, you know, you have people working over because, hey, you're doing this over here. Now I got to try to balance it out. That's maybe where we get like more earthquakes or more, you know, like uh, natural disasters per se, I would think, because people that they're, they're trying to balance it out from what the others are doing because now they have have trying to run they're like this is our world it almost i feel like they want to wipe us out i feel like the whole point of them coming down is to and this is just my speculation just sean speaking i just think they came down to wipe out humans to show hey look how weak they are they're not gonna last or or not just wipe us out necessarily as in killing us, but wiping us out as being actual children of god and and wiping this whole slate clean of like see Look how, look how this was your guy. Oh, I thought he was like, you know, it's like the, the brother you're mad at. He's like, oh yeah, but he smokes weed, man. Oh, I thought he was the golden child, man. Did you see him over here? He's like, he's over at strip clubs. And and I think that's the point. And that's why one thing I've, I've tried to like push a lot and I, and I, and I've kind of pushed it a lot more since 2020 because I thought of it more is that like I think we also give too much power to Satan and what I mean by that is like I like to look at it as like hey yeah I'm gonna mess up I'm gonna sin I'm gonna try not to every day I'm gonna try not to right I'm gonna try to live my best life and be my best energy and be good to as many people as possible but I'm not gonna let him corrupt me I'm not gonna let him because he can't do anything to me I look at it as you can't do anything to me physically you can manipulate me into doing something physical to something to myself or somebody else but if i do not allow that manipulation and i keep my connection with the most high i'll be good that's how i kind of try to live my life it's really funny that you say that you think what did we say like satan is translated accuser right if you look around the world today the whole world runs on accusation mm. so and the problem mm. isn't what Satan can do is you bring all of your baggage, right? All the things that not just the things that have been done to you in the like sense where people come into the world in a, a clean slate and then society corrupts them. But you know, and I know there are things that we've decided to do in our lives that are sin. We have decided to do evil. We bring all that baggage and God invites us into the kingdom. And Satan comes and says, that guy with all that baggage, he's getting in. And what we do, and Christians are among the worst people at this, is uh, if someone comes to you and says, uh, I want to be a prosecutor, it's like, good, right? Get the criminals. Let's get them off the streets. If someone comes to you and says, I want to be a defense attorney, I don't know, right? Like you're going to get some guilty people going free. Yeah. That should be opposite for Christians in particular. That should be opposite because what the whole point of the cross and the reason that 
Christ comes all the way from the top of that hierarchy, right above the seraphim, all the way down to the bottom enfleshed as a human, dies and defeats death and resurrects, goes back all the way up. And now one of us, right, a man, sits at the right hand of God. And that's how we get to go back up to the top too. And so when the devil who accuses, who is the Satan, the accuser, says, look at all the stuff that you've done, the answer isn't, I didn't really do that stuff, right? Or that wasn't me. The answer is, yeah, and all that stuff's paid for by the blood of Christ on a high altar in heaven. Your mouth is shut. And that's why in Genesis 3, the promise is the seed of the woman, the child who would come, who is Christ, would crush the head of the serpent. He can't say shit when his head's crushed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that, man. Uh, that that just makes so much sense to me. And then to, to be honest, this is like, I think I wish this was like, this is what to me, what church should be. I've told many people like, I think it should be a discussion so you could actually learn and absorb it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's what it, it was intended to be until like, I think just over time, you know, it's almost like a, a rumor, you know, someone's like, Hey man, you're, and, and, and over time the rumors like, so outrageous you couldn't understand it anymore and i think that's what happened to the church and religion in general like so many people have put their uh hands into the pot that now it's like but i think it's coming back to i think a lot of people have it and and when you're talking to people there is goodness in it and, and if people will actually not have that like uh because when i grew up a lot of people the reason why i would push away from like not christianity but like people in christianity is because i felt like i was always being judged you know what i mean like they would be like oh you you grew up catholic that's crazy man you know you were wrong right and i'm like dude but i didn't know man like it's not like i, I grew up man like they they showing me the thing you know what i mean like i, I have no idea and you know what I mean? people get all mad they're like, they're like you don't know man you were wrong you know that and then you know then you feel disrespected because you're like oh so you're saying my dad's wrong you're saying my mom's wrong you know what i mean then you feel and you don't even want to entertain any thoughts with them anymore and i think that's some of the problem is there's those but that's just human beings i know that's human nature and now i can understand that but at a young age i did not understand and I I'll did not like it. Thing, Sean, and uh, I was just talking to my daughter about this recently because uh, she's got a mind like mine that works and works and works and doesn't stop. And one of the things that Satan did was infiltrate the church, make it unattractive from that angle and make it really legalistic and make it very uh, unsupernatural. And then on the flip side, created this haven for people that wanted to get close to the supernatural on the occultic side. So he, he played both ends of it. And, and it, that, that was attractive to me. That's why I went down the paths that I went down because I could say that, yeah, I, I went into a lot of things for, for money and fame. And it's honestly, that was a small portion of it. I, I, a lot of it was the knowledges. It was the secrets was the, was the powers because that's attractive to me. And what's really cool now is I've learned in the path that I'm on now and the way that I view God and in the vast supernatural world that I'm allowing myself to understand through God mm -hmm. is like, it's just as cool, if not cooler on this side of it, because now I'm starting to see all those cool things and all of that supernatural stuff that goes on from a different perspective. And when you take that away from Satan, when you take that away from him and you're like, yeah, you know, man, like I'm on the, I'm on this team 
and all the powers. So, like, all those powers you're offering yeah. around, like, they're over here, too. So, at the end of the day, like, that's the part that got really dichotomized in Christianity. They separated it. We talk about, like, the separation of church and state. Well, they separated the supernatural from the church. And that made it very unattractive for people that were so aware in their internal spirit that there's other things going on. And you know what? The church didn't allow them to experience that. So they went out and found it. And th- and that's a big, big problem right now um, with the church. I mean, I talk to so many people of all walks of life and either if they're Christians or not. And it's funny because they both have the same mentality when it comes to the supernatural. And it's like, God, like, no wonder where, where we're at right now. And no wonder all this shit's going on in the world. Like, this is like we set we just severed ourselves off from that supernatural line. Well, you kind of just like sparked something in my brain because I was just recently watching on Netflix, uh, you know, that movie <laughs> Little Nicky with uh, yeah. Adam Sandler. And it kind of like and then in that movie, you know how like the devil sons go onto Earth and like they, they the one uh, uh, like becomes like he, uh, gets in the body of a priest and all that. And he's preaching to everybody and he's telling them it's it's he starts like telling what like, oh, man, this guy's cheating with his wife. And and, and I think that's what happened to the church in general, in my opinion, from my perspective, is this shame right it was like oh we got to shame people uh, instead of saying hey man i know that like, i know you're having a rough time you know you, for some you got hooked on drugs what can we do to help you and i'm not saying everybody's not like that i'm just saying as a uh speaking as a whole like when you see like because there's a lot of like you know we call them like uh uh sunday you know the guys that go to church on sundays uh, uh and they're like they just go to church on like christmas or like or, or they go in but they're like all doing everything bad and they're judging everybody which we all do as human beings but they judge us to an extent to push us away right and then they use shame like oh man i can't believe that you were talking to that girl over there i can't believe you did this and i think that was an element that that movie kind of reminded me of that and when you said that remind me of the movie of where uh, you know those entities got into the body of a priest and he's telling these people like oh man look how bad everything is why are you gonna follow him man like why are you gonna go like you know nothing's good everything's bad and and i think it's been used but and over time it's been really mastered to look as religion you know what i mean like you said so it has been infiltrated to a level of where it seems normal here's the you think about this um people that are under accusation people that are under shame are people that are easy to control and they won't say anything Mm. because the the pact is right the unspoken pact between like people that are porn addicted and say the child drag show thing the unspoken thing is i won't say anything about your perversion if you don't right because you don't say anything about my perversion mm-hmm. and when you take that shame away when you say now nah, my sins were nailed to a cross they've been dealt with and you can't do that with kids that's evil mm-hmm. and they'll turn around and say well, what about all your baggage right like admitted that was my baggage. I'm forgiven. Mm. Right. Repent. Come on. So I think the the shame, whether it's coming from like uh, churches that basically have no Christ in them, which is the thing uh, that offer no forgiveness and offer only uh, either like moral therapeutic deism, where it's just, you know, be good uh, without Christ or whether it's coming from 
the woke side of like, you know, you used a word at some point in the past mm-hmm. where you harbor this thought that's evil. Um, yeah. That shame is all functioning the same way for the people in power. Easy to control people that are ashamed. It's mm. a good way of looking at it. And it, and I think that that we shouldn't be like, like you said, like, I think the that's what I was trying to say earlier is like, you know, we, we are imperfect. Like, you know, God talks about we will sin, right? Like we will fail. But I think it it's like how you look at things of like, of course, you're going to fail and, and look at that failure as a lesson instead of a, a an eternity. You're doomed. It's a lesson that we can continue and to get back up and to be better every day. And I think if we strive, that's what I think that is left out. And sometimes like that uh, for me, like, again, I'm just going off of what I've experienced. And I think some people leave that out. And, and there's also some good people, too. I've talked to some uh, Catholic priests, some actually other Christian preachers that actually did have some very well, like those are the ones that resonated with me through time where they were like, no, no, no. Hey, you're going to mess up, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be perfect. Like, and and that's a relief because I think some people hype it like where you're like, man, I got to be perfect. So then everybody puts this fake face on. We're like, oh yeah, I'm perfect. And then you get worse at that. I think, because when you have that and you put that persona on, it just builds and builds. It's almost like holding your anger or holding your pain inside. Like eventually you're going to pop and it's going to be bad. And I think when we go, Hey, we're not perfect. And that's all right. We weren't made to be perfect. That wasn't the intention at all. And once we know that, I think that helps Well, for me personally, again, that helped me to just be like, yeah, I'm never going to be perfect. And I'm good with that. Now, can I be the best version of who me? Yeah. That's every day me getting up and doing the hard work. Just like when I always like to tell people too, like, it's a little off, (laughs) but like when we talk about praying and people think that you pray and automatically you're like, oh man, tomorrow a million dollars. And you're like, where's that money at, man? You're like, well, yeah, it doesn't work like that like you can the way it works is you put in the work for what you want as well you know and like hey i want wisdom i want to be and, and we don't see all that like one of the best um that my mom used to tell me when growing up is there's, there's this little like story fableish type of thing where you know a guy's in the ocean and he's like he's drowning and he's like praying to god please help me god please help me and then a boat comes up hey man you want me to help you and he's like no nah, man god's gonna save me and they're like all right you know and then a helicopter goes, hey man you want me to save you he's like no, nah, that's right, man. You know, like God's going to save me. And then like, you know, the moral of the story is it's like, yeah, I sent those guys for you, man. Like, wake up. Like there's more in this world. And and I think that's what we have to do. And I think that's why in the Bible, I'm not sure which verse, but I believe they said like, you know, look at uh, your common man as it's me. You know, you see a beggar on the streets. That's me. That's that. That's me. So help if you can, you know, do what you can. And I think that's the moral of everything is just put out good energy and try your best and really, really search for God. Like I think if you search you will find him and through time me like from being that at 12 years old so bitter and mad being to 20 like kind of getting a little bit better having my daughter that helped a lot too because that gave me that pattern of where I'm like okay it's not just me anymore you know what I mean I got and that built me up and now I'm at a level where I'm just grateful every day I wake up no matter how bad the day could be or what I've went through I'm really grateful because I look at now what I've got I've got a great co-host in Joel I got good friends around me I got great family I get to meet awesome people and have awesome conversations and I'm like well, I can't really be mad at the bad things that happen. And a lot of them are by my choice. And I have to remember that as well. A lot of those things were my own choice. So I can't blame God on having, cause I had the free will of making that decision. So I think that that perspective, cause I'm only going on that little rant because uh, yesterday I was being called like a doomer and a black pillar. And I'm like, dude, I love life, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 
That's uh, the Q crowd. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that there's so much really great things in life. And that's why I love this conversation right here in particular, because it, it, it's something that to me that I'm like on the edge of my seat because I'm learning right now. You know what I mean? Everything you guys are telling me, it's like and and it's also bringing me closer to God, which people don't realize. Like, you know, I, I think for a while, like it was hard for like, not that I was I'm not ashamed of God, but I think because you associate certain things with religion or it, this is what a Christian is and this is what a Catholic is or this is what a Muslim is and now I'm just like to the point where I'm like look God has my back and that's all that matters to me man I don't know like I'm not gonna, I believe in Jesus I believe in God and the rest you know like uh, uh, it is what it is man there's more that I need to learn you know what I mean like the rest I I, 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 I don't have enough uh, uh, brain capacity to know it all right now and I because I'm glad you brought up Job. That's actually one of my favorite books. And that's one of the books that uh, when I was in jail, that really got me close to that really made me understand my situation of why I was mad at God. And I, and I think it was intentional that I went to jail so I could go not intentional, but like that was my path. And I think that's yeah. how I look at it. As. Yeah. Uh, at the end of Job, um, where God's questioning him, it's like, uh, you know, where were you? When I formed the planets, surely you know you're mad at me, right? Like you got all these answers. That's a that's a hard that's a hard passage. Yeah. Not uh not harder for anybody than it would have been for him, right? Lost his whole family and all <laughs> Oh yeah. Um it's interesting, that's actually one of the uh one of the examples, uh proof texts for sons of God. Um, being not human. It talks about where were you when I formed the sun and the earth and the sons of God sang for joy, um, which there weren't any humans around to do that. So, Right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think on that note, man, we had a great conversation. Uh, before we get out of here, can you tell people, you know, like where they can follow you or also like any of like the stuff you got coming out again, remind people like, hey, you know, plug in, plug in, yeah, plug cool. in. So uh, the series that I've just finished is called Dark Holler. You can find it at darkhollerfilm.com. Um, it's about, it starts off with an exorcism and ends up uh, talking about uh, a principality over Appalachia that we think we can identify by name based on some of the stuff that we ended up witnessing is a crew down there. And, um, it's, it's bizarre. It goes deep. Um, then we're also working on a series coming up, uh, with the guys from sword and staff doing like paranormal investigation and that kind of thing. I think we've got, uh, a really, I don't know how much I can talk about it. A really interesting experiment setup that's uh, possibly going to uh, make a lot of paranormal investigators angry. Um, at least mm. what passes for <laughs> paranormal investigation these days. Um, and it also, right it also might uh, go some way toward demonstrating or uh, the like power of thought and prayer. Mm. And I won't say any more than that, but it's it's going to be a really interesting experiment, a really interesting show. It's going to take probably a year to work on. And then, um, what are we, what's what are we calling the Skinwalker thing, Joel? Is there a, a title we're using yet? I think we're going with what we talked about. What I want to say yet until it's actually in style. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, working I, title. I did talk. I did talk to Tony, and I believe that's it's going to be what we put out there. 
dot expedition. And I think we are going to actually be able to use the word that the we were told not to use. I think there's a way around it. So it's going to be part of the name is what cool. I'm hearing. So cool, yeah, that one's going to be wild. Mean, oh my God. It's, That's it's, going to touch on a lot of conspiracy stuff. Um, everything, this full gambit. So from everything from government conspiracies to supernatural to, uh, you know, alien, all of it, like it's, it's all intertwined and we've got, so many great interviews that we talk to a lot of great locals to government officials, just everything. So it, I, I'm so jacked about it. Um, and a perspective that's fresh. Like it's going to, I won't give it away, but there's a perspective that like, it's going to be different than most people have gone through. So I think that's going to really change the game too, because it's a uh, more personable. Yeah, we yeah, uh, sure. those those docs, that one and the Dogman one. I there's not really anything in the paranormal space that that's doing it like we're doing it. Um, you're right there with us, and um, I don't want to. I mean, it's the stuff is shot well. It looks good. Um, well, Dogman's anyway, starting to hit streaming services now. It's been picked up by two streaming services already. Uh, it's going through the gambit, so. As soon as it re- we really start getting the bulk of it through, we'll start letting everybody know where to get that. Because I know a lot of people start going on YouTube to get to it, and they're reaching out to me. Where's it at? It's gone, and it's it's we're just getting it to a wider audience now. So everything from here on out is going to be through streaming services. Uh, you'll be able to purchase it, or if you're purchasing the streaming service, you'll be able to get it through that way. So uh, it's it's coming, guys. It's coming. <laughs> And you can follow us at Operation Kill the Mockingbirds on Instagram or Van Testa Music at Instagram or Sean Chris Music at Instagram. And also, you know, we appreciate all the great uh, feedback we've been getting, the five-star reviews, uh, even the one negative review that we got, you know. Uh, keep them coming. And, you know, if you really want to help the show, really share it to your friends. You know what I mean? Whether it's on an Apple, Spotify, or any podcasting 2.0 app, just share it to hey, your Sean, friends. Hey, um, all this angel talk. You know I gotta hit my baby, my angel, Jen Saki up. When I get off with you guys, I'm gonna hit her right up because I know she's looking so angelic right now. And I'm gonna try again. I tried to call her 50 times today. Uh, one time was a uh, pickup. She did pick up. She hung right up though. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So it, you know. That ginger, that ginger love, love it's coming, baby. <laughs> and you know what? Tonight, I think we're going to end off with uh, 30 Hours to Utah, uh, Joel Thomas and Sean Chris. You know how we do it here? Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brah, brah. Yeah.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.